Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about weed control as we get a little bit later into the season. And when you start getting big crop, it does change the rules. It change what changes what you can spray, what you have to watch out for. And of course, you may be fighting bigger weeds out there too. Brian, uh, as we get into the season, if your pre-emerge didn't work or if it starts to run out of gas and now you're left to whatever the best post-emerge options are, in some cases, it's not very exciting. It's, uh, uh-oh, uh, hold hold back. It, it it may or may not work. Yeah, we got a few things going on. So first of all, growth is about double normal in our area of the country because it's been so unbelievably hot. If you look at growing degree days, we're accumulating twice as many as normal, double. It's crazy. So the weeds are growing fast, they're getting big, they're robbing yield. So that's one side of it. And so where I'm going with this is you got to spray even more quickly than normal if you want to catch those weeds when they're small before they hurt yield and while they are easier to kill. But then beyond that, when you start saying, okay, it is getting late, now what can I yeah, now what can I spray at that point? A and, about. Yeah, it, you cut yeah. out there for just a second, yeah. Brian. You, you're yeah, saying well, as it gets I, late, you I run out of options. Had, right, yeah, but the other day we had Jim Reese on with Precision Labs, and he was talking about, hey, crop oil and methylated seed oil, we're starting to see a little bit of yield loss if you're spraying after V5 corn. So when you have that going against you too, and you say, oh, man, I want to use crop oil or methylated seed oil. Now I either have to go to a different activant that's APE, NPE free that might not give me quite as much penetration. In, or I take what could potentially be a yield hit. I'm very anxious to see this research data that Jim was talking about. I haven't seen that yet. But, uh, but anyway, we're going to do more work on that. But I just say we got to be careful, too, about which choice you're going to make, even if stuff is smaller, because the weather's so warm. So, for example, like on the dicamba label, if you look at the new dicamba products, they're going to tell you, like in the state of Minnesota, southern Minnesota, you can't spray if the forecast high is going to be over 85 degrees. Well, every day I look for the next week, the forecast high is supposed to be 85 degrees or more. Well, what am I supposed to do then? <laughs> you know, then I've got HPPB, I've got Buckteral, I've got Tuff. And that's about it. Uh, and atrazine, of course. Yeah, it gets limiting really fast. And also, when we do have yep. these hot days, a lot of growers are like, man, my hours that I can even spray are pretty limited, too. And we've got low humidity. That changes the game as well. Yeah, so let's put it this way. <laughs> if you just listened to the last two minutes, you're like, oh, my goodness. I'm in dire straits. No, it's not that bad. We still have good weed control options. There are still a lot of things you can do. Overall, I like it when it's warm early. We usually end up with better yields when it's warm early, provided we get some rains later on, which I'm assuming that we're going to. So it'll be fine, but you just you don't want to be waiting around for anything. You just you got to get to your work, get your stuff done, and don't and also. Yeah, I realize like the middle of the day, yeah, it's probably going to be too windy. But how about first thing in the morning? How about once it gets toward the evening? I mean, there are opportunities for you to spray on a lot of days, even though the middle of the day might not be the best. 
All right, let's talk about some certain weeds out there. One of them I've had some questions on, Brian, has been volunteer corn. And that's one where guys are always debating, do I spray on the first spray? Do I spray with my second pass through the field? I answer both. I I think you got to go after them right Right. now. I don't want to see corn rootworms having a home out there. Well, that plus volunteer corn, weed for reap, Weed for weed is actually the worst yield robbery that there is in soybean. So I'm not saying, um, you know, I'd rather have volunteer corn than water hemp or palmer pigweed, but or vice versa. But I'm I'm saying here, hey, if we look at one volunteer corn plant, it actually will rob more yield than one palmer pigweed plant or one water hemp plant. It's worse. So we got to we got to think about that. That's one side of it. The other thing is, as volunteer corn gets bigger. It is harder to control. It'll get a thicker wax on the leaf, and then it really needs crop oil or methylated seed oil. So if you've got big volunteer corn later in the year, you have to run with a higher rate of the volunteer corn herbicide. You have to use crop oil or methylated seed oil at a good rate. And you got to start looking at um, trying to get these weeds under control early on. Even something like volunteer corn that for many years people just thought was an eyesore so, yeah, I'm with you. Like, even on our own farm, we have sprayed some volunteer corn already. Now, granted, the main reason we were out there wasn't just the volunteer corn, but I'm just saying it's something to take a look at even early in the season, not just late. You know, the other thing to, to think about is just getting coverage. And if you spray early in the season, you don't have quite as much crop canopy to fight through. And there's a lot of weeds that can hide underneath that canopy, making them real difficult to see, real difficult to get spray coverage on. It can be a real challenge out there. So we do like to see fields getting sprayed early. We love to see residual products. And at this point for our farm, we're going to add some residual in a lot of cases because we're going to need it right. to get us to crop canopy clean. But the, but the problem with some of those residual herbicides is they can add some leaf burn. So that, that gets to be a little bit of a concern. Yeah, there are a lot of things that go into making this decision, and I've seen a number of agronomists commenting on just how many different tank mix partners there are and watching out what surfactants are in there. Like Brian mentioned, the Group 15s, they've got a lot of oil in there. They can definitely add some burn, even though Group 15s on their own aren't going to take down existing weeds. All the other things that go into that product to keep it in suspension, to keep it... um, from freezing and all those types of things. Some of that can also add to the burn that you see foliar on leaves. So you do want to be a little bit cautious about that. Well, we're talking about late season weed control and it may be late where you're at. It may still be a little bit early. You may just be getting crop in the ground today. It's important to think about what are you going to do for the entire season, even as you're putting those pre's out there. So we're going to talk about some of the options for in-season sprays, especially as weeds get big on today's program, and take your calls and questions as well at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. The weeds are coming! The weeds are coming! Hey, Paul Revere! This whole midnight ride thing is getting real. But the HPPD resistant weeds are coming. We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non HPPD corn pre herbicide from BASF. Well, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! 
there's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today with the topic of late season weed control. We're also taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show. Maybe you have a specific weed control issue on your farm or just something else going on. 844-44-AG-PHD is the number. And you can always email us radio at agphd.com. We'll start off with Mark Storr with BASF. Mark, thanks for joining us. Hey, Darren. How's it going today? Good, good. You always get the easy questions, right? So I figured today will be a perfect issue for you. Yeah, well, it, it's a great day. We had a little rain, very spotty. But uh, right here where I live in central Iowa, we had uh, anywhere about a quarter to a half an inch. And uh, we were kind of needing it in some areas. So, uh, we hope uh, to continue to get some timely rains as the season goes on. You know, that is part of this equation. If you're sitting in an area that's been missing the rain, how does that change weed control and what you may do? Well, obviously, if we haven't got the rain, maybe the pre's aren't working as good as they normally do, uh, or we didn't get good activation. Some products will, uh, well, they haven't gone away. Most of them are still there, and they will still kick in if you have sufficient rain, but what normally we worry about is, uh, you know, the weeds are getting a jump on us. And uh, with the heat, they grow very quickly. So we definitely want to make sure that we're, you know, spraying the you know, weeds at the right stage. For like, for example, Liberty, we tell people three-inch tall weeds is really our target. I mean, people spray much larger weeds than that, and Liberty will normally take them down. But it's just not the best management to, to do that. So... Uh, we try to, you know, have folks uh, be out there and, and spraying things timely. The other things when you deal with hot, uh, drier conditions, you always run into the situation where the weeds may have hardened off. And so you're dealing with a thicker, thicker waxy cuticle, and you may have a, a bit more of an issue getting the herbicide to penetrate the, uh, uh, the weed like we normally want. So my recommendation is to, you know, generally look at the adjuvants that you're using, uh, for certain, you know, be probably gearing towards a crop oil 
if the product allows it, as opposed to a conventional non-ionic surfactant, that's going to give you a better penetrating uh, power uh, from that adjuvant source. Uh, don't cut out on uh, your AMS rate. We like nitrogen for a lot of post-emerge products as well. So whether it requires AMS or UAN, uh, you may even want to jack the rates up uh, slightly. A lot of those products, for example, AMS, most herbicide labels say 8.5 to 17 pounds per 100 gallons of water. You know, you might want to look at the 17 pounds under more arid conditions with uh, uh, lower humidity and, and just uh, generally tough to kill uh, environments. And, and don't cut down on water either. Uh, coverage is still important even for systemic products. You mentioned the low humidity, and wow, I know for our area we've been really dry for about three years now, and that changes the game on, on what you do and trying to get into those weeds. It really does. Uh, the heat helps some products. For example, Liberty is really enhanced by the heat, but you take some other systemic products. Uh, we'll think of, of a glyphosate, for example, or even dicamba or 2,4-Ds. Generally, they will be somewhat compromised. They normally will work when it's warm and cool, but there's a desired temperature range. Uh, when you get into your group one products, uh, typically the post-grass uh, herbicides that we use for volunteer corn control in soybeans predominantly today in today's world, they are very, very suspect in hot, arid conditions. You just have a hard time. Uh, getting those products to work sometimes. So again, that's where oils really come into play and don't cut rates uh, like we can do sometimes with uh, those uh, group one herbicides to get things like volunteer corn. But, you know, some of the contact products are actually heated up by uh, the, the, you know, that's a, a pun, I guess, but the efficacy will be increased with warm conditions. And things like uh, the Liberty, again, would be a, a good example of one that likes hot weather, but it also likes humidity. And so, you know, the arid conditions do uh, make things struggle once in a while as well. One of the keys we talk about all season long, if you want late season weed control, you got to start off right. You got to start with the pre's, you got to add some residual in that first post pass, and hopefully we can get to crop canopy. That's another thing that we see in these drought conditions. You may not get crop canopy in your soybeans, for example, especially if you've got some lighter soils and you just keep missing the rains. You've got to do a great job as these weeds come up to give your crop the best shot to canopy and the best shot to compete in these situations. Getting some great tips here from Mark Store. Mark, anything anything else you want to throw out there for late season weed control? No, I think you you were spot on making sure that we're adding some additional uh, herbicide. The group 15s are where we're relying uh, heavily on to go out with our post pass to add for that uh, second shot of residual. And as you mentioned, do anything you can to keep that canopy uh, canopy enhanced. Uh, you know, things like 30-inch rows are, are, can, uh, can be a struggle uh, to get uh, to canopy like you want. But most folks were able to get planted, you know, decent time this year. So at least hopefully we won't be dealing with uh, a bunch of short beans later. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, uh, Mark, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Look forward to talking to you again down the road. Anytime, Darren. I appreciate the, the time. Thank you. You bet. We've got Troy Bettner with us right now with Belsham. How you doing, Troy? Good, Darren. How are you doing? Well, we'd be doing better if we had an inch of rain each week, Troy. That's that's about all I can say as a farmer. I'm greedy. I want I want rain to come regularly and nice and easy, you know, that kind of thing. But outside of that, you know, the crop doesn't look well, too bad. 
we you know we we need the same thing i'm in uh central indiana here and yeah we definitely need some rainfall here it's been about almost two weeks now without rain and looking at the radar for another 10 days they're not projecting much at all so a bit tough out there yeah yeah it sure is and and you know you think about with late season weed control a lot of times you're getting the call and guys say man uh, whatever i did previously didn't work now i've got some weeds that are getting some size to them uh that makes them tougher to control yeah it does it's it's uh the game keeps changing it feels like it's it's uh you know in the in years past when you know it was just glyphosate at that point in time it was uh, fairly easy i'll call it now it's a chess game every year and the variables change well one thing that we do is utilize multiple effective modes of action. And I think this is a real key here. If you say, well, I'm putting out glyphosate, but I'm going to add one effective tank mix partner to it. Well, you're counting on a lot out of that one product. Adding a second yeah. mode of action in there seems to be the way to avoid getting yourself caught where, oh, no, I got eight-inch tall water hemp or Palmer pigweed out there that I missed. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, talk, uh, yeah, talk to yeah. us about that, Troy, and talk to us just about uh, tough and some of the different modes of action, what they can do. So, yeah, thanks, Derek. Good, good point. Just, you know, where we came from, Roundup or glyphosate and, and the resistance, and we've gone back to the future in a way of just going back to pre's down and with posts, et cetera, and, and different products in the tank. And, you know, the, 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 the difference now between back then and today is, of course, no-till and different weed spectrum, but there's not a lot of new classes of chemistry coming out like way back when, when all the money was invested on chemistry versus seed. And so the, the tools that we have available in our toolbox are so limited now. And, you, you know, you look at Palmer and, you know, it's up to resistant up to nine different classes and you got water hemp, you know, at six different classes and kosha, lamb's core and go on. And so, you know, Mother Nature is just is beating us in a certain way, and the you know you go out to the toolbox, and it's like, well, I just still got these tools, so so what do I do differently? And, and I think that's where you know Tough came comes in, where uh, Belsham has brought Tough to the market, which is a Group Six, and and it's a tool to add in this toolbox to help everything last longer uh, in that toolbox. Well, it is really important as as you're looking at late season sprays to look at things that aren't going to leave carryover. And I've been getting a lot of pictures of white crop that growers are saying, man, I got some white showing up from last year's application. That's kind of a nice thing with tough too, that you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, strictly a contact, uh, no residual. So if you could say there's a disadvantage, but there's also a lot of advantages to that. Um, just as you just highlighted. Well, lots of things to look at when we get into late season weed control. I've been talking with Troy Bettner here with Belsham. Troy, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. Yeah. We'll talk more about some weed control options and take your calls and questions too at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com.
When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad-spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel soybean bin, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 900 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Our topic has been late season weed control, but as you know, we always take phone calls with any of your agronomic questions. 844-44-AG-PHD is our number. And you can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to Tennessee. Got Johnny Varel with us with the Extreme Ag Group. How you doing, Johnny? Doing great. Doing great. How are you doing? Pretty good. All right, so we're talking late season weed control for us. Our big corn is about V five, so it's not super late up here yet. How about down there? How big's the corn getting? Uh, we're probably going in V nine, V ten range on the biggest corn we have. So when you look at weed control, let's just say you had a weed outbreak that another flush of Palmer comes and you've got V10 corn. Do you go in with drops? Do you still try to do something or do you figure, you know what, the yield's already kind of made. I'm, I'm just going to run with it. I would say for us, drops would be very hard with the terrain we have, you know, trying to stay down in the canopy. It's, you know, a lot of terraces, a lot of rolling terrain for the most part. So hopefully we've had the prees and we've we've held it on like we should and been able to keep them under control. So for me, I would probably say it would have to be a pretty big infestation to even 
even try to fight it right now. Yeah, that's that's been our strategy too. We we want to get to crop canopy, and usually by that point, we're in really good shape on the corn. How about in the soybeans? I, I know beans are a little different, and it takes a little longer for them to get to canopy. How are the beans looking? Uh, they're looking pretty good. Uh, probably the biggest beans we have are about V6 right now. So uh, they might be going into V7. They were planted, planted last week of March, first week of April in that time range. So they're growing good. They're a little shorter than normal, but uh, they are they are getting some good weather right now for some good good vegetative growth today. So as as you look at any applications on the, on the soybean side, and I know we'll we'll be doing things fungicides and whatnot too. A lot of times you end up with uh, a tank mix of several different things in there. What kind of what kind of things are you doing at this point in the the soybean life, or are you waiting till a little closer to the reproductive stages? Uh well. Uh, say that again. I, my phone kind of broke up on me there. Oh, sorry. I, what do you do in your soybeans around this time? V six, V seven, or, or are you waiting till a little bit later in the season to head back out with the sprayer? Uh, if there if there's some high yielding beans, we've done. We went through last week about V six on them and, and put out a put out a little fertilized foliar fertilized shot, maybe some PGR stuff like that on them, and kind of got them back what we thought going good with the cool wet conditions we've been having and. You know, we made our, uh, hopefully our last herbicide shot um, about seven, ten days ago on those beans also. So just pretty much trying to get them in good shape, trying to get them laid by for the year, and hopefully they, they canopy and, you know, uh, hold the weeds back themselves. With your crop this year, Johnny, what are you most excited about? You're running a different trial out there that you're like, man, I hope this works out. I think this might be the, the key to jump into that next yield level. Yeah, I mean, we we got several different trials out. It's, I'm going to say it's a little too early. Some of them have a visual difference to them, but, you know, until I put that combine in them, I'm really not going to say for sure if it's going to really pay the ROI that I want to see. But there are some things that we've done, especially in these cool, wet conditions we had this spring that really did help mitigate that stress from those cool temperatures on the on the corn and soybeans. Uh, for us, it's cool. I know for y'all where y'all are, y'all are used to planting in cool conditions, but... For us, we you know we're still getting down uh, as of this weekend in the low low fifties, upper forties, which is extremely cool for the end of May. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Well, stress mitigation is really the key. I mean, it depends on, or it really doesn't matter which crop we're talking about here and what stage of growth. Reducing stress generally ends up with more yield. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's one of the key things about the herbicide programs we try to run is to to put the herbicide on the corn and beans as early as we can, get the residual, and try not to stress them throughout the year with a late season herbicide application. But you know, sometimes you run into those situations where you have to. But for us, if we can take away the herbicide stress and only worry about the weather, the heat, and the, usually the lack of rain, that's the two things we seem to always have to worry about: the heat for sure. So anything we could do and it, it seems like if you can leave those herbicides out late it really helps those plants process be able to process that heat a lot better yeah that's that's absolutely right yeah i appreciate the tips johnny we're talking with johnny varell here with the extreme ag group good luck to you uh, the rest of the season hopefully things uh, continue to be good and and you get this crop growing fast I, i'm really excited to hear how some of these trials turn out for you too absolutely thank you so much sir yeah thanks johnny 
Brian, late season week. I liked what Johnny said there about we try to do the best job we can and do it early, and we hope that it holds. Occasionally, it doesn't. And I think about our farm. Sometimes it's it's where we've had the problems in the past. Right. You think even a couple years after the problem, oh, it's going to be better now, and it isn't always. That weed seed bank can be pretty heavy. Right, which is why you have to stay after this all the time. We talk about this with weeds and with insects, too. If you don't normally take care of bugs and this goes on for a period of time, it's possible that you could have a massive outbreak. So same thing with weeds. I, I, I guess, fortunately, we have really good herbicides. Fortunately, we have great residual herbicides, and you have lots of options. There's a big window with a lot of products to get them applied. So I guess I I just I feel lucky that we get to farm in this day and age, because if you go back in time, it's funny. I was just watching a video and listening to Herman Warsaw. He was the first guy in the United States, really the first guy in the world, who was consistently raising 300 bushel corn. Think about that. In the 1970s, 50 years ago. The guy was raising consistently 300 bushel corn. It's unbelievable. They were they were talking about one, one drought year, and the neighbors were averaging like 86, and a lot of his ground was averaging 113. But on a field that he was taking for high yield, his field average on that field was like 270 50 years ago in a drought year. <laughs> and I go, whoa, that's, that's, that's pretty impressive. But anyway, where I'm going with this is – I saw they were showing how he was running a cultivator on his farm. (laughs) I'm just kind of chuckling because we used to cultivate too. And I I mean, it's still an option if you want to have some weed control. But the downside that we always found is you end up tearing up a bunch of the corn roots. And then you also let a bunch of moisture out. So if you're dry already, well, now it's going to make it worse. And yeah, you'll probably have a short-term little growth spurt because it will release a whole bunch of moisture and and heat from the ground. But after that, your crop very well could suffer depending on the area that you're in. So you can do that. You can go pull weeds if you want to. You can pull out the hoe or whatever I, and, and go do it by hand. But... I mean, we have great herbicides today that we never used to have. And so that's that's really why I just, I feel very fortunate. And along with that, there's one other thing that I want to add. There are many of these products now that have corn safeners with them. So, I mean, you don't see this a lot in other crops. Uh, in wheat, though, there are some safeners there. So you have some grass control products that have safeners in them so they don't hurt the wheat just like these corn products have safeners in there so they don't hurt the corn. So that's good because we also didn't used to have those things. So anyway, safer for the crop, really good on weeds. Um, In a lot of cases, prices are coming down. I think next year things will be even cheaper again. So yeah, I, I just, I feel lucky that we have choices today. Anyway, if you do get stuck and every year we get a few calls where guys say, okay, can I go in after brown silk with 2,4-D? Um, yeah, that's an option. I guess I don't love that option because when you stop and think about it, the yield damage has already been done. Uh, and so really all we're after here is to try to keep these things from going to seed and maybe make harvest just a little bit easier. So you don't get near the benefit that you would 
getting weed control done early in the season. And this also kind of comes back to why we talk so much about pre-emerge herbicides. I just remember one year, it was a long time ago, it was over 30 years ago, and there were some guys that had just started doing, like when Accent and Beacon came out, and guys were doing trying to go total post. And so I was talking to my dad about this, and he goes, you know, Brian, I just would not be able to sleep at night. I gotta have a pre out there. Otherwise, I'm gonna be worried if it rains, if it's windy days or whatever, for whatever reason, if I can't get out there the day I need to be there, then I'm just, I'm gonna be a nervous wreck because I know that my crop is at risk every day. So we always encourage you, I don't care what crop you're planting, get a pre, pre-emerge herbicide out there. And really, let me rephrase that, get a pre-plant herbicide out there so you know it's done then you go plant into it you know weed control at least hopefully should be a little bit less of a concern all right we're going to get to your questions in the ag phd mailbag coming up next morton buildings has served the american farmer for more than 120 years From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Hi, I'm Greg Souter with 360 Yield Center. It's painful to pay high prices for nitrogen. Even more painful to know that a chunk of the end will not be there when the plant needs it. The solution is 360 Y-Drop. With 360 Y-Drop, you apply right before the plant's rapid uptake cycle. You can adjust your rate, resupply lost nitrogen, or cut the rate if conditions are right. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. 
FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. Together, we can uproot the stigma. Hey, everybody. Come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. It's Ag PhD Mailbag time, which means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, first one here comes from Devin, and he said, Guys, I'm curious about adjuvants in V5 corn. Unfortunately, uh, since I'm writing this question, we're catching some rain, so it's probably going to be V6 corn. I'm running a fungicide foliar fertilizer trial. I'm just wondering, can I put a non-ionic surfactant in when I'm spraying Aquila XL, or generic quilt, Versamax, and Utricia N? I'm doing some repeated strips across 80 acres of ground, same soil type. Uh, just curious, at what point do you have to worry about arrested ear syndrome? Well, we thought it was later, and it may still be later, but we were talking, I, I mentioned this earlier in the show, when we were talking to Jim Reese with Precision Labs last week, he just made the comment that, hey, we're seeing some yield data now where you get these NPE, APE adjuvants, whether it's crop oil or the wrong surfactant or something, and that seems to be causing yield loss just beyond V5. So that's where we might say you can find a, an adjuvant, a non-ionic surfactant that is APE, NPE free. That's what you need to ask for. And then you don't have to worry about that arrested ear syndrome. So do I think it's going to be a problem? No, I don't. Because honestly, I've never seen it at V6 and we've had all kinds of farmers. I mean, like literally tens of thousands of farmers we've worked with that have sprayed crop oil, which, you know, maybe even worse, um, at that V6, V7 timing, never, I've never seen anything ever. Um, but if you want to be on the safe side, like I say, just go with something APE, NPE free. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Got a phone call uh, now. Let's head back to the phone lines. We've got Morris on with uh, some questions on spreading fertilizer and timing. How you doing, Morris? Hey, how about you guys? We are doing well. What can we do for you? Good. Uh, last week, you guys were talking about spreading 46, uh, 4600 nitrogen down with uh, with the spreaders uh, with um, inhibitor or uh, stabilizer. Yes. Uh, if I was, I've been farming 40 years. Yep. And I was drilled into me that you either you deep band it, you side band it, or you mid row band it. Okay. In the spring is the best. Yep. Uh, guys around here are starting to spread this stuff in the fall with a with the inhibitor on it. Yeah. Uh, but they're doing it as early as mid September. Okay. Is is that inhibitor? Does that really work that well? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so there's your short answer. That, that was an easy one, Morris. So what what else you got? Yeah, that'll, that'll, <laughs> that'll, that'll talk. That'll keep coffee going for a while. <laughs> but 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 no, seriously. But, by I, the we, way, uh, I didn't mention this. Morris is up in Saskatchewan, so this is a little different than if he was right. in Alabama. Right, but still, course. even in Saskatchewan, yeah. that's pretty early. Your your soil temp is still pretty warm. I'm guessing by that. Point. Yeah. So let's put oh, it this yeah. way, Morris. I don't. 
I don't ever recommend urea at all in the fall. I don't care if you put a stabilizer with it. I just think there's too much risk. But some guys are like, look, I want to take the risk. I want to get that out there. That that's their call, but you know what? We're getting yeah. we're seeing more regulation too, and you know all about that up in Canada with, with all their talk oh, about yeah. nitrogen and everything else. It's like, okay, if we're worried about the regulations coming, how about we just try to avoid some of that uh, controversy and just put it on in the spring? Yeah, it comes down to labor time. Oh yeah, know, those are the factors. I, but okay. even in the spring, I guess you put it on in the spring. Just before you seed, um, I can guess I can see it kind of working, but I don't know. I still like putting it on with the seed in one form or another. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So, like on our farm, we've never put it with the seed, but I mean, we're always putting it on. I shouldn't say always. When we're doing spring applications, we're doing it around the time we're going to put it on or put the seed in, typically. But I will say this yeah. um, we have done a bunch of stuff early so like uh two three weeks before we're going to plant assuming we're going to plant as the frost comes out so i know this all sounds a little crazy some people are like what you're going to plant like with the frost just coming out or maybe even a little frost in the ground yes we have done that many times so (laughs) that's as early as you can possibly plant any crop and that's when we would like to get started so sometimes we are putting some nitrogen out ahead of that uh, a lot of times with a stabler, otherwise we're a stabilizer, but we are hoping, or maybe we're hoping for rain or whatever with the grounds a little bit thawed. I mean, it's, I, all I'm getting at here is we, we like that nitrogen in the spring to be on the safe side. You got to be careful about how you're doing it. And to your point, some guys will put nitrogen on and then they don't plant for a little bit and it's warm. It's different than when it's cold. If it's warm, you're losing some, and you're probably losing some fairly soon. So all things to be thinking yeah. about. Yeah, up here, what most guys are doing is either they're mid-row banding as they're feeding yep. or side banding. And most guys are putting on somewhere around 85 to 100 pounds of actual land, depending on what crop they're seeding. Sure. And... And a few guys now, like ourselves, are starting to top dress with liquid with a stabilizer in. And hopefully when we top dress, we time it with a timely rain. Right. (laughs) Yes. We're usually praying for that as well. This year, uh, I know know we were doing some work and we thought, oh, for sure it's going to rain this weekend. They're saying like 80, 90% chance. We got nothing, of course. (laughs) Well, they're saying two hours from now it's supposed to rain here, but... (laughs) Sky looks pretty clear yet, and it's about 30 <laughs> degrees centigrade out, so yep. it's healthy. Yep. So we're in a high 80s, low 90s, so yeah, it's no, it's been abnormally warm down here, and I assume it's been the same for you over the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah, it has been. Yeah, but uh, things are coming. These are things are progressing very, very fast. Yep. Yep. So all right, good. Okay, well, thank you guys. You bet. Appreciate Thanks, Colin. Yep, appreciate it. Okay, bye bye. All right, Brian, had this one come in from Thomas over in Wisconsin. He said, I'm curious, how many pounds of copper sulfate can I apply in a tank mix with Roundup, Prowl, Valor, and Metribuzin in soybeans pre-plant without affecting efficacy? The same goes for glyphosate, metolachlor, atrazine, and meso in corn. I've done everything on one-acre grids. Many of my fields with copper are way down in the 0.3 to 0.5 part per million range. 
I don't think the product I have can be blended with granular fertilizer. So I'm just looking, what could I do? And then finally, a last question on my wheat ground. Can I put copper sulfate on post-emerge with my Husky? Okay. First of all, copper sulfate can be difficult to deal with. If you don't clean it out of your sprayer at the end of every day, you could have a problem. So we just... For that reason, I get concerned. I also am concerned anytime we're going to put any fertilizer together with four different herbicides, like in both cases, he's got four herbicides listed. I do worry about, is everything going to mix up okay? So that's my number one concern. And stay in solution. Yes, and stay in solution, yes. Uh, so that compatibility, that's a that's a huge thing. Okay, so then the next thing is... I, I would just say with copper sulfate, you can spray that without a lot of water. And what we've done on our farm is we variable rate it. So we'll put together a variable rate map, whether we're going dry or liquid, I don't care. We've done it both ways because I'm going to guess some of the spots on your farm maybe don't need a ton of that stuff. So I, I just, I'm, I'm uncomfortable making a recommendation to you, telling you to put it together with these things. I don't think it's going to hurt the performance of Prowl or Valor or Metribuzin because they're all basically residual products. The Roundup, um, it's possible you could have some issue with Roundup, but I don't think you're going to be putting enough copper sulfate there to most likely cause a problem. But when you start talking about post-emerge, like glyphosate, atrazine, meso, and dual, if you're going to do that post-emerge in corn, um, you just you can't put a whole lot out there. Otherwise, you're going to see more leaf burn. And just copper in general, it can be a fungicide and bactericide or at least have a little activity that way. So I'm just... I'm cautious. I'd be very, very careful. I tried on a real small scale before I went any further. Those are my concerns. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Ag PhD Radio. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Nothing gets a better view of your crops than your pivot. Plant Insights powered by Prospera transforms your center pivot into a crop health monitoring machine. Be one of two growers to get Plant Insights on your farm with a free one-year subscription. Enter to win at agtechonthefarm.com. With Plant Insights, you can see everything your pivot does all season long, from emergence to pests, weeds, and disease. Enter today at agtechonthefarm.com. With Plant Insights, you'll walk away a winner. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. 
You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. Learn on the job with the CNB Apprenticeship Program. Through in-person training and on-the-job experience, this unique opportunity gives you the chance to learn advanced ag diesel technology without the traditional technical school format or expense. Learn more at cbequipment.com careers. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head to those phone lines. we got Emmett on with us down in southeast Missouri. Emmett, how you doing? Doing great. Got a quick question. If you had a prior irrigation or center pivot irrigation, say, corn from the V8, down and it's rolling up like onions would you water it or let it uh, stress and put roots down oh i'm watering it for sure for sure well, that's what, <laughs> i've been hearing some guys putting out some stuff but what years ago in the pivot corner we took a backhoe and dug down there wasn't any roots where the pivot didn't hit and then there was lots of roots where the corn was growing yep and i just don't know where these guys get this stuff that when it's sitting there rolled up, it's putting roots down. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it can. I, I mean, last year we had some cases where there was corn that was rolled up early, even on our own farm. It was so hot for a few days, and we didn't have a lot of moisture, and the yield ended up turning out pretty good. But let's put it this way. If I'd have been able to put some water on that, do I think the yield would have been better? No question about it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to watch my corn suffer. No way. So especially V8, it'd be different if it was V2, maybe, but V8, that's getting to be big corn. And besides that, from V8 to shoulder high, it should only take, with this kind of heat that we've been having lately, 10 days, two weeks, it's not going to take long. And your crop needs a ridiculous amount of nutrients in that time period. If your soil is too dry, the nutrients aren't soluble. They aren't getting into the plant, which means your crop's going to suffer. So, no, I'm I'm absolutely irrigating that. I called it the same way. I just wanted you to make <laughs> me feel better. Hey, you know, I, I will say this, Emmett. We, we talk about this all the time on the show. You could try something on a small scale if you want. <laughs> 
just take a little bit, a very small amount, and don't water it. And then you check the yield there, and then you check the yield where you did water, and then you'll always have that answer for the future. And then when anybody tells you something, you say, hey, I tried this, and it cost me 50 bushels on two acres. I've been doing that for years. I just wanted you to back me up. (laughs) All right. All right. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Got this one in from Dave up in Michigan. He said, our winter wheat is streaky this year. Was spreader applied urea with a stabilizer? We had two rain events totaling about three inches. Then we got colder temps and two frosts on it after that. It is greener over the tile runs. I think maybe the rain pushed the nitrogen down deeper where the tile wasn't. I'm going to tissue sample from the greener wheat and the lighter spots and also do some soil sampling. My question is, other than a six-inch test, how deep should I go for a nitrate test? And what test should I do, a full test or just the nitrate test? Probably just the nitrate test. If you want to test sulfur or something, maybe boron, fine. But a lot of times we just test nitrate. Um, when we do ni- precidrous nitrate tests, we call them on our farm, we'll do a 0 to 12 and we'll do a 12 to 24. If you want to do a 0 to 6 and a 6 to 24, I mean, you can certainly do that. It's up to you. But yeah, I would I would be testing all the way down to 20 inches. There are some people that will test clear down to three or four feet deep. Um, we don't believe that roots are in most crops are going to be able to pull a lot of nutrients from that depth. But down to 24 inches, we feel pretty confident. So I guess everybody can do it different. I'm not saying this is the only way to do it, but that's how we usually recommend. Now, to his point here about, okay, it's greener over the tile runs. Didn't he say the water got, or the He said, nitro- I think maybe the nitrogen got pushed down deeper between the tile Right, lines. that doesn't make sense to me. I would think if you wanted to make the argument, well, maybe it moved down because the water was moving down more where the tile is, I, that I can understand. But I don't see it the other way. So what's the difference in between? My assumption is the water table was a little higher, and so the roots didn't get as developed, and so they haven't been pulling in as much nitrogen, or the plants are just sickly because the the roots are smaller. So a lot of times, I'll just tell you this, when we see something like that, or a lot of people we work with see something like that, they go, yep, looks like we need a little more tile. <laughs> Sorry, I hate to say it. That's more money you're going to spend. But I mean, you want well, stuff to be green all the hold time. Hold on, it's not more money you're going to spend. More money as you're much going to as, invest. Yes, you're making an investment that you expect to get a really good return on. You're getting a great return on the tile you already put in. I was just talking to a friend of mine who does tile installation, and he had a customer that said, "Well, I want to put tile in at 30, 30 foot spacing, heavy heavier ground." And he said, that that guy's crazy, isn't he? And I said, why? If he wants to put it at 30-inch or 30-foot spacing, what's his purpose for that? Well, because tile in that area, they see it still. They still see those spots showing up greener. Well, then you just put tile a little bit closer together. And even tile installers sometimes are like, well, I don't know if we need to do that. Hey, if you have somebody that is seeing a difference in the field, you, you got to run with it. Because, yeah, if you're still seeing where those lines are at, you probably need more. Had a question here. Double A said, guys, I'm over in Pakistan, and I've got some liquid boron. It has an expiration date on the jug of March 2023. 
can I still use it now three months after the expiration? I don't know why boron would have an expiration date. I don't either, unless they're concerned about something settling out, maybe. Uh, so if it's me, I'm probably just going to shake the jug really, really well, assuming this was liquid. If it's dry, then I, I don't I don't really know what there is to worry about. Yeah, I, I don't either. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would still use it. Okay, this comes from Andrew. He said, guys, we're up in New York, and a couple of things. First of all, I'm trying to take our farm from good to great, and the problem is because we're doing good, getting 220 to 240 bushel corn, 60 to 70 bushel beans, or we get no motivation by the rest of the people in our operation to make changes, but I'm looking at trying to balance the soil. We just haven't managed the micros very well. I'm curious, a couple of things. First of all, I want to ask you about lime, but I also want to ask you about just balancing the soil. What are the big advantages you guys see balancing the soil first and then feeding the crop that would help me persuade my family members to look at micros? And then on the on the lime side, I'm wondering, could you let me know what the equations are to make my own lime recommendations and what numbers I would need to do that? Well, like for the equations, just go to like Iowa State University or Midwest Labs or something like that. And then because for us to try to explain it over the radio is going to be very complicated. Or you can come to one of our soils clinics and we'll give you the formulas. Uh, but in terms of how you get people convinced... It, a lot of times it kind of comes back to data. So on our own farm here, hey, Darren, let me see that question once. Uh, on, our, on our own farm here. Ben, there's, two, there's two of them there, two separate okay. sheets. Yeah, because I, I, I did cover this the other day The how because I started it, Darren, with how to convince family because <laughs> I got a charge out of that. So we did talk about this the other day. And so I'll say the same thing I did the other day. It's... If you have some data and you can try some things out, you're in pretty good shape. So here's how you get the data. Number one, either you run some trials yourself and you say, okay, I took half of three different fields, tested that out. The other way is just simply you already have the data. You just now have to combine it. Here's what I mean. Do the same thing we're doing on our farm. Take all your soil test grid points as long as you're testing in a grid point, not a grid, I mean a point, a GPS point. You go to a point and you pull a few cores right around that point, so in like a 10-foot radius or something, and then you compare that to your yield right in that point, and then you do that across your whole farm. Well, now you generate all this data, and that's all we did, and we go, oh, wow, our potassium. <laughs> if we have higher potassium, we have higher yield. Okay, I don't have to be smart to figure that out. Uh, phosphorus to zinc ratio. It's like, ooh, if we dial that thing in closer to 10 to 1 as opposed to like 30 to 1 or 3 to 1, our yield goes way up. Okay, so data will lead you and data will show the other people on the farm. It's like, okay, uh, everybody's interested in making more money. Yeah, I know. It is a little challenging when you're already doing well and you're trying to get to that next level. But everybody wants to make more money and everybody wants to do better. They want to have their, their soil in better shape and leave the ground in better position for the next generation. And all that kind of stuff happens when you have more yield because now you have more root system. You kick out more sugars into the soil to feed more microbes. You have better soil health, better soil life. You're just the it, people talk about sustainability. I don't want to sustain anything. I want to make stuff better. So you can do that when you are balancing those nutrients. So there's my two-minute impassioned speech. 
<laughs> hey, thanks for the questions, Andrew, and good luck uh, talking to your family about this, too. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.